A key component of the modern world economy, the chemical industry delivers products and innovations to enhance everyday life. It is also an industry in transformation, where chemical executives and workers are delivering growth and industry-changing advancements while responding to pressures from investors, regulators, and public opinion. Discover how leading companies are approaching these challenges here on The Chemical Show. Join Victoria Meyer, president of Progressio Global and host of The Chemical Show, as she speaks with executives across the industry and learns how they are leading their companies to grow, transform, and push industry boundaries on all frontiers. Here's your host, Victoria Meyer. Welcome to The Chemical Show. This week, I am speaking with Jennifer McIntyre and Kelly Gilroy from Univar Solutions. Jennifer is the Senior Vice President and Chief People and Culture Officer and has held that role at Univar since January of 2021. She's held a number of senior roles at Univar, including Chief Integration Officer of Univar Solutions, where she successfully led the integration of Univar and Nexio Solutions, and that was a pretty big deal. And she's had a long history in the chemical industry at companies, including Dow and Roman Haas. Kelly is the VP of Sustainable and Natural Products. She leads the development of and commercialization of sustainable and natural ingredients across Univar Solutions. She has a wealth of experience in personal care and other product areas at Univar, as well as has a lot of experience from Lubrizol and Ecolab. So I'm just really excited to get the chance to talk to these wonderful leaders here in the chemical industry. So Jen and Kelly, welcome to The Chemical Show. Thanks, Victoria. We're happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to have you here. So what is your origin story? Maybe let's start with Jen. How did you get interested in the chemical space? And then what brought you to Univar? So I would say that it's two things. One, I was sort of naturally good at math and science. And so I was encouraged at my high school to pursue a career in engineering. But secondary was, I'm actually from a family of people who've worked in the chemical industry. So my grandfather worked his entire career at Roman Haas, and I had uncles who also worked there. It was an industry that I was very familiar with. And when I hired out of college, the company that I wanted to work for was actually Roman Haas, because it was pretty deep in our family history. For me, hiring into that company, I would say that it really set me on a path of caring deeply about safety and about the environment because it's, you know, that blueprint you get right when you come out of college. So that was very formative for me. In addition to having responsibility for people and culture at Univar Solutions, I also have responsibility for ESG. So it's a really natural fit for me to have sort of that whole envelope of responsibility But you also asked me, how did I get to Univar Solutions? I had worked for 21 years for Roman Haas and we were bought by Dow Chemical. And I worked four years for Dow. And it was in that time that I worked for Dow that I got to know and appreciate distribution. I ran the supply chain for Dow Chemical, the solvent supply chain. And really distribution is an incredibly important channel to market for the solvents business at Dow. I had the opportunity to really learn a lot about it and see where the opportunities were and that I could, when I was approached by Univar to join, I could see how I could create value you know, for them. And it was a unique opportunity. So that's really how I ended up here. Awesome. That's really interesting. Thank you for sharing that. 
Kelly, how about you? What is your origin story? Because you've also spent a large part of your career in the chemical industry. How did you get here? Yeah, thank you. Very different route. Jen started early and I would say I was a late bloomer. I actually studied accounting in college and I'm a CPA. I was just studying accounting because I was at a school that was good at accounting on the practical side of me. said, oh, I'll always have a job. I started actually at J.P. Morgan Chase. My pattern in life was start in finance and end up over in, on the business side. So I went to banking school. I ended up working for a customer. Same thing, started in finance, went over to the line. And that's why I love chemicals because in chemicals, I went right to the business side. I started at, it was actually Nelco Chemicals, a Nelco company, which is now Ecolabs. And they were going through a merger and needed someone in Chicago. So not only did I get to learn chemistry, they actually have my first full-time sales job where when you're in banking, I think we called ourselves relationship managers. And so really what I had skills in was solving complex problems, negotiating with lots of different stakeholders. And in banking, I just always wanted to be where we were making something. And chemicals did that. And there's a lot of innovation here and there's a lot of connectivity. So I was really excited to join Univar because I had come up through the supplier side. So and when you get into a company like Univar Solutions that has lots of opportunities, you have maybe five or 10 solutions for customer problems. Whereas at a supplier, you tend to have a really good solution of your product. So Univar really opened my world to what I could do for customers. And it's been eight great years. That's awesome. It's interesting that you started in banking because I don't think of people making the leap from banking and finance and that world into the chemical industry, right? Kind of a bit of a hands-off kind of clean industry into a hands-on industry. So that is a big leap. Yes. And, and it's been a lot of fun, but a lot of the same skills. I like to be on the customer side. So I learned, I love the language of finance. So I can really help our customers know how they're going to make money. Same thing on the supply side. So I, I look at accounting as a language that connects us all. And as I move into sustainability, we need to find ways where we can grow sustainably. So we've got to make money, but often that comes with an investment too. So it's working well in this new role as well. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think you're right. I mean, there has to be a case for action and a business case. People aren't going to do, they're not going to make change. They're not going to buy a product. They're not going to take on a new initiative just because it's fun. It's got to make business sense, financial sense, to yourself, to your customers, to your suppliers, et cetera. So see that connection. Thanks. Yeah. So Jen, you've spent a big part of your career in supply chain. You've talked about that. And yet today you lead people and culture for Univar. Was that a stretch? I mean, because it feels like a stretch. And then again, not maybe. So how about for you? What's your perspective on that? It's a great question. And I actually get asked it a lot. I think it's really important that people recognize how highly transferable skills are. I think that sometimes we want to stay in our lane when in fact, the things that you're really good at can transfer over. And for me, everything has a process and data, there's data behind everything. And so if you can bring process and data, which was something that obviously I would have brought through operations and supply chain, but bring that over to our human capital, it adds a lot of value. So I think that that's very transferable. To me, one of the things that I've loved about being at Univar Solutions is that it's a company where 
you have a lot of opportunity. But for us, I have spent a lot of my time at Univar Solutions on people-centered solutions, particularly when we did the integration, focusing on culture was something that was so important to take the culture of Univar and the culture of Nexio Solutions and how do we come together to create our own unique culture versus one or the other. It's almost like, I mean, what I've said to people is it wasn't my aspiration to be a chief human resources officer. In a way, I was interviewing for it for my entire career because it's always been so central to who I am. Yeah. That makes sense. So what is on Univar's people and culture agenda? I know you guys, it seems like you're in a bit of a transformation. So what's on the agenda? It's probably pretty common, right, to what's on a lot of companies, people and culture agenda these days. I would say culture, a reason it's part of my title, because culture is so important. And so how we think about culture, we've been very mindful about that. And so setting ourselves on a journey there. Diversity, equity, and inclusion is very important to us. Growth and development for our employees. We hear that pretty consistently. That's what people are looking for. Generally speaking, I think employee experience, right? How they go about their day and the things are easy to do and they feel valued in their contribution. And I guess just sort of underscoring it as I think about the things we're working on, And coming back to my transferable skills, but data and technology are really important. Interesting. All right. So Kelly, I'm going to flip it to you because Jen's in charge of this and you're living it. (laughs) So how is this manifesting? What is the Univar culture to you? What is the change that you see happening inside of Univar? First of all, the culture that we have today is definitely different than when I arrived eight years ago. And what's different is, first of all, bringing your authentic self to work is not only expected, but applauded. And that's been a great change because we have great people here. And I've had the privilege of meeting a lot of people because of my roles. But some people, you know, you work in the same office, you don't know that. And as we get more authentic, I think we keep getting, we keep getting better. It's really employee-led. I think we've probably always done a survey, correct me if I'm wrong, Jen, but I think we do a much better job of giving the results and making sure that everybody, whether you're driving trucks in LA or here in corporate, that you know that your voice was heard. This is how we've been doing business, but I think the Nexio Univar integration really gave us an opportunity to put that front and center, and it's a noticeable difference. I am often at meetings where people People, you know, that have been here six months. I mean, how many people did we hire during COVID? Hundreds. And they had never met anyone. So it's really fun to see. I know our culture has changed because the people that just arrived here, they describe us perfectly. And the people that might have been here eight years, like myself, it's like you kind of can see how we didn't get rid of it, but we allowed people to step into the culture they said they wanted. And who doesn't want to work for a company? That's really trying to let the employees lead the best way to run the company. That's interesting. And I think what you said there about the new employees just being able to describe what your vision was is key, right? Because it's easy to say things, oh, we're whatever. We're people-centered. We're this, we're that. And it's easy to say those things. And it's very different to actually live it and realize it and have people recognize themselves in that. Really bringing full circle what Kelly was just talking about as far as the employee saying, 
giving you feedback and then applying it. Because one of the pieces of feedback that came through last year was our employees wanted to get more involved in the communities where we live and work. We put together really a whole program called Community Bonds that, you know, there's a we have a playbook and how we can locally get involved with our communities, you know, through either our functional teams or our locations to participate in community events. And so we were able to get that stood up and rolled out. And we see our employees having a lot more opportunity to participate. So I think that's a really good example. That is really good. And you're right. And people want the ability to do that. And Univar is quite distributed, right? I mean, you've got many people in many different locations serving a really large number of product areas and markets, et cetera. So it's challenging to instill culture across that variety of locations, as well as, let's be honest, in the last two years with the pandemic and just the rise in distributed working, everybody being online and not showing up to an office and not kind of building culture together, it can be really tricky. So how do you make that work in a distributed organization? It's a really good call out, Victoria, because it was one of the biggest differences for me in joining Univar versus my experience in working for a supplier where you have a much more finite set of locations where you'd have a location, you had 2000 employees. At Univar Solutions, we don't have a lot of locations of that great size. We'll have locations with 15, 20 employees, a hundred of those you know, spread around. And so it does create a unique challenge to get almost anything done, but culture sort of at the top of the list of things that are challenges. I would say that it takes time and you need to be deliberate. We put together a framework around our, our culture that is around preserve. So things that we really loved about our culture that we wanted to make sure we held true, things that we were working on that we wanted to strengthen, and then things that we thought we needed to transform. And all of that came from the employee feedback that, that Kelly was mentioning earlier. But we have quarterly webcasts, right, where we'll share that with our employees. We have local focus groups where we have conversations, but you really have to be consistent, right? Leaders need to model the behavior, and then you just need to keep finding ways to continually improve. It is actually, it's a village. So you mentioned before, just kind of this focus on processes and data and being able to use that and create some standards. Where does digital fit for you guys, right? So I think one of the other things people talk a lot about is digital transformation and digitization and just the evolution that we're in. How does that look for Univar? Well, maybe I'll take a little bit of it and then Kelly can take some of that too, right? So I think we're leading in the distribution space in terms of the investments that we've made in digital. Our entire back office is on one common ERP platform. And that's true for the Americas. The last place we're going to go live is in Brazil, and that'll be at the end of the year. But we'll be on one common platform across the Americas. And so that's one consistent way of doing work. And so that was hard fought. That is not an easy thing to do for anyone. You hear terrible stories about SAP conversions and such, right? But once you do that, you create the opportunity to then digitize the customer and supplier experience because now you have a consistent way of how all of your transactions flow and it gives you the opportunity to do some really cool things. 
So we're rapidly growing our digital participation by our customers. That's our next frontier. And it's really exciting. But I'll let Kelly maybe say some more about it. Yeah, Kelly, what's your perspective? Well, over on the commercial side, I agree with Jen. We invested early and we tend to do that. The big customers were asking, but most of our business is small to medium size. So I'd say we are ahead of the curve there. But Jen talks a lot about the integration of this SAP system. So not only was that the right thing to do, and it'll be challenging, but it really gave us an opportunity to say, okay, where can we take a load off? Because we know when we survey our customers, like they love their customer service colleagues at Universe Solutions. So how can we help them not only get through a big training exercise, right? Because SAP was new for at least half of our company. And one bottleneck we saw was customer service gets a lot of inbound calls, like, where's my stuff? Where's this product? When's this going to be here? That's great. That's what we're here for. I think that's the majority of calls in every customer center across the industry. Yeah. Correct. So one of my favorite early moves by our digital team was they created like an app that's called Where's My Stuff, like the name too. Not very digital, but a customer could actually self-serve and go online and say, oh, it's on the truck or it hasn't left the warehouse yet. Not only did that help us get more customers online so that they can self-serve when they want to, right? So putting it out there for when they're ready, but it really helped our customer service group too, because just looking up on a computer where something is and giving it back, there's not a value, a lot of value added there. So we really support our colleagues to get to the heart of the matter versus looking up things that are already online. And it's really called Where's My Stuff? It's really Where's My Stuff. Which is perfect. Because that's the question, right? That everybody asks, where's my stuff? Correct. And as we hire people to help us in this area, they come with a whole different set of experience. So they helped us even with the where's my stuff, right? Because these are experts in digital and what a digital customer wants. So it's been really fun learning that side of the process too. I bet. And it's interesting. I talked to someone recently who talked about digital natives versus analog natives, right? We're all probably of a similar generation. So we grew up in the analog age, but our new employees, our new suppliers and customers are all digital natives, right? I mean, the millennials, the next generation of who we're bringing on in our organizations are very comfortable with everything being digital. And frankly, all the consumer product stuff that we work with, right? Whether it be Amazon or Target or, I mean, UPS, everything is telling you when's your stuff arriving? Where is it? You can figure out that it gets stuck in St. Louis because it always gets stuck in St. Louis or wherever. On a personal level, we're all used to being able to see that level of information. And it makes sense that in the chemical industry where we have so much data and knowledge and know-how that we deliver it to our customers easily. You hit it on the head and we're continue to do that. So as we get better on our website, the whole website, they can tell where you are, your US or you're over in the UK. I think you'll see more and more because we are a big business, but we really service locally. So we want that experience, whether it's virtually or face-to-face or digitally to be targeted to the customer in their local environment. That's great. So let's talk about the customer experience. This is a good segue. So I think everybody across the industry, and certainly most distributors I talk to say, what's the difference? Well, it's the relationships. Well, we all have relationships. We all have good people. 
some people have better people than others, right? Let's or just different. But I think the reality is there is a different customer experience. We know that there's differentiation between companies. What's the Univar difference? What makes Univar's customer experience unique and different from its competitors? I think there are good parallels between our employee experience and our customer experience in that we are actively listening to our customers. So we send out our NPS monthly. Different customers get it each month, but we do send it out. And then when we get feedback, we have a full feedback loop where the insights that come from our NPS feedback goes right to our sellers and to customer service or any group that maybe, you know, if there was a less than great experience and they also get to hear the great experiences, but it runs all the way with customer 360. So in addition to their feedback, we also have all of our internal metrics that I could look up right here, right now, a customer and be able to see how have we done on available to promise on products that they've requested on time delivery for the last X number of orders, right? Payment processing, like every metric that we know matters to our customers, we can see in one place for that customer. And so it's really helpful for us to see where we need to drive improvement, but also for our salespeople as they're having conversations with their customers and finding their pain points. So I think that we're just always looking for feedback and trying to find ways to act on it. How does this relate to your suppliers or your principals, right? Because you guys are in the middle in a lot of ways between the producers and the end user. So how does customer experience tie to supplier experience or just kind of the whole net effect? I always say that we play a really important role in the industry in that we take complexity and absorb it as a company, right? So our customers have often very complex needs and our suppliers have complex manufacturing facilities They can't do that and satisfy the complex needs of many, many different customers. You'd be surprised maybe at some of the complex requests from colors of drums to the amount in each drum. I mean, there's a lot of varying degrees of request, but we sit in the supply chain to absorb all of that complexity for both sides of that equation. It makes the role incredibly challenging. I mean, it's actually something I love about it because Kelly, you know, she talked about problem solving, right? I mean, I'm a problem solver. Kelly's a problem solver. So if you're a problem solver, this is a great place to work because it is, you're constantly having to find the resolution between those two parties. Yeah. Right. And I would say over on, I'll take my new role in sustainability. I mean, because we sit in the middle, we get a lot of information from our customers. And they're telling us what they want. And we're really good, to Jen's point, on taking a lot of complex, unique data and getting it to a point where we can take that back to our suppliers and say, customers are looking for A, B, and C. And that helps them as they're managing their own innovation pipeline. It helps them say, hey, this is really what's happening in the market. Because to Jen's point, the suppliers, they have a certain amount of bandwidth for customers. So we pride ourselves on being the best extension of not only their sales force, but their marketing and their technical as well. And when you think about what we're talking about here, digital, we were all home for two years. So communication is really decentralized now. And what we're in business in the middle to do is make sure that our customers who are our number one priority 
are getting what they need and that we have the suppliers well-informed so they can deliver to our customers' um, promises. Makes sense. So Kelly, let's talk about sustainability. I know this is your focus and I know Jen, it's your focus as well, but we've got Kelly on point today. And sustainability is critical, right? And it seems like it's just becoming more and more important today. So just given the complexity of your supply chains, right? So the variety of principles and suppliers that you have, the variety of products, it's a lot to navigate. So what's your approach to this? Okay, well, I will start with corporately, right? So Jen, as she hasn't even bragged about our good results, but we're just in 2021, we reported well above all of our metrics and we actually put out our new metrics, which are a 20% reduction by 2025 in our scope one and twos and another 40% by 2030. So I'm the commercial side of what we call sustainability at Universe Solutions. So it's been a pleasure to, I mean, we have a phenomenal 2021 report that's over 80 pages. The team did a great job with an executive summary. That is a great learning tool for all of us at Universe Solutions, not to mention our customers and suppliers. So knowing our metrics and what we're doing internally I think that puts us in a great position to do what I do, which is helping our customers on their sustainability journeys. We recently polled a global audience and learned that sustainability is more than 90% said either extremely important, very important, or, or somewhat important. So it's a hot topic. And what we're doing now is really making sure that all of our salespeople, all of our product management people, our customer service reps, they really can talk the talk. Because we've been in, I mean, Universe Solutions put their first sustainability report out in 2008. So our challenge and our opportunity is we have been very sustainable, but we haven't been talking about it in in terms of sustainability. So a lot of what I'm doing is really leveraging what we're already doing and packaging it up in such a manner that our customers can take advantage of. So the first thing we're doing is looking at a framework so that we can actually characterize sustainability at the product level. There's nothing like this today in the market. So we want to be the ones to really set that stage. It will change. We're putting a stake in the ground. But when a customer says what you have that's sustainable, we can say, well, let's go online and look at, you know, we have six characteristics that not only enables our customers to achieve their goals, but it really opens that conversation up with our suppliers who are also on very different journeys. So we have some of the biggest chemical companies in the world very far along in their journey. And we have some suppliers that have one product. And in terms of sustainability, maybe this is how they're launching into the chemical industry. So it's just been amazing to see that collaboration because Univar Solutions as one company, we can't solve the sustainability challenge by ourselves. But we're right in the middle of that value chain where when we do what we say we do, which is a core value at Universe Solutions, everybody wins. So when we reduce our scope one and two emissions, we deliver lower scope three to our customers, right? And the same thing, our scope threes are primarily from our suppliers. So if we can work collaboratively to get their scope one and twos lower, that flows right to us. So I'm very hopeful about where we're going as an industry and as a big part of the whole sustainability challenge. And we're really well positioned. That makes sense. And I do think you're, I mean, as we've already talked about, you guys are in the middle of that value chain. So kind of figuring out how to parse and quantify and carry through that information across the way is critical. 
I think the other piece that's interesting that you guys have had a sustainability report since 2008. One of the things I think there's been a blind spot in the chemical industry because there's always been a focus on safety and sustainability is a lot around efficiency as well when we think about it, right? So inherently as a company, as industries, we want to be efficient. So we're doing, there's always been a lot of circularity inside of a manufacturing process, right? Because it's efficient and it's cost-effective and stuff. And so part of the challenge is that narrative and figuring out what the narrative is. And then actually, as you're talking about putting it in the hands of your customer-facing staff, your supplier-facing staff, so that you can talk about it, have an impact on it, recognize the positive effects and frankly, the areas that need work, but be more holistic about it is really important. Yes. It's really all about transparency, right? So many of our suppliers have excellent data and we want to be a forum for our customers to access that data the way they want to access that data. It's been a really great six months and it's going to be an even greater next six months. Yeah. Lots to go. So what is next for you guys? What's next for you Jen and Kelly and Univar, where are you guys heading over the coming six or 12 months? We've laid out very clear goals and they're aspirational, but I also think very achievable. But we have laid out some clear goals, which I think is always the most important starting point, right? Is to do that and create your strategy of how you're going to achieve it. And we're very much in a driving for execution and trying to just continue to make the improvements every year. And I mean, an example, we invest $3 million a year in low carbon technology. That is an ongoing driving execution towards realizing our longer term 25 and 2030 goals, right? But we have eight different sets of goals. And so each one of them has a plan on how we achieve it. And so just staying on top of that is a really important focus area. I guess the, just the third thing I would say is this space is constantly changing. Staying on top of the innovation, both from a supplier perspective and the portfolios that are available, but also the low carbon technology and how things are changing. I mean, Kelly was in LA last week to basically start up our new electric truck for delivery, but that's from innovation. I'm going to be there in two weeks to see it myself. It's going to be constantly changing. I mean, if the world is going to achieve the goals that we know we need to achieve, We need to act with urgency and just always be keeping our eyes open around where the opportunities are. Well, thank you. Thanks, Jen. And thanks, Kelly, for joining me today. I appreciate having you guys on The Chemical Show. Thanks for having us. Thanks for the opportunity, Victoria. You're welcome. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Keep listening, following, and sharing. And we'll talk to you again soon. We've come to the end of today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and want to learn more. Simply visit thechemicalshow.com for additional information and helpful resources. Join us again next time here on The Chemical Show with Victoria Meyer.